Hey, Marcus. Yes? Do you like movies? Yes, I do. I like movies, too. Did you know that until January 1st, fans of Zebras in America can save 25% off their first four months of Ovid? Really? Yeah. Have you heard of Ovid? Yes, I have. Well, if you haven't, Ovid is a new streaming service that offers art house, foreign, and foreign art house films and films like that. And as Zebras knows, we like that sort of stuff. Yes, we do. You know the often talked about but not very seen Claire Denis film towards Matilde? Probably her second rarest seen movie. Yes. Well, it is on Ovid. Do you know the great uh, quasi-vampire film, Trouble Every Day? Of course I do. It's one of my favorite movies. I know. And guess what? It's on Ovid. That's awesome. Yeah. So that means, till now, till January 1st, you can save 25% off. You'll get access, the best streaming service for critically acclaimed independent films, for just $5.25 per month. Simply head on over to www.ovid.tv and use the code ZEBRA at checkout. And then you can be part of the Ovid team. Welcome to episode episode 107? 108. 108? Yeah. Of Zebras in America. Yep. We, we were on a little bit of hiatus because I had laryngitis. It happens. You're, you're, you're out a few since I almost died for the whole month of August. And we didn't really record, so it's all good. Yeah, I mean, also like often towards the end of school I have trouble. But yeah, let me tell you something. It's very difficult to be a therapist when you can't talk. Oh, of course. Sure. <laughs> it's, so the past two weeks is a bit of a wash. Yeah. Like, I go to jujitsu and be like, don't choke me, okay? Right. Damn, it's like you already sound choked. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, it's like, they're like, what's wrong with your voice? Like, I lost it. No, like, I sound man, like Werner Herzog. I, I often, like, when I need to... One of the things I like to go to is Werner Herzog. Cool. Um, you know what movie I saw recently? What'd you see? I saw the new Safdie Brothers film, Uncut Gems. Awesome. Have you heard of it? Heard of it and seen it. Really liked it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Starring Adam Sandler, Julia Fox, Kevin Garnett, Mr. Bogosian. Yeah. Did I mention The Weeknd? The Weeknd. Uh, this guy, Lakeith Stanfield. Yep. And in a non-speaking role, he's just there in the background, uh, China Mac. Oh, yeah. He's there. Oh, we got, can't leave out Mike Francesa. Yeah. He's got a couple of scenes. And, yeah, so it's a... Judd Hirsch, sorry. Oh, I, I, yeah. How Judd can Hirsch. we forget Judd Hirsch yeah. of taxi fame, amongst other things? And Independence Day. I don't know why that's the, one, that's the first movie that popped up. Bill, you yeah. gotta kill the aliens. Will Smith and Bill Pullman, come on. If it wasn't for my son David, he wouldn't be in this mess. You know. Okay, okay. I'm going to... I'll stop. The accents are are just... They're escalating. You started, then I went, and then you were going somewhere. And I'll let you do the rest. Marcus. Yes. Marcus. It's okay. Okay. I give you permission to occasionally use use an accent. Um, You know... The thing is, I don't even know what sort of accent it is, but I think, I think we're trying to be very careful to not upset people, but sometimes being so careful to 
not upset people actually ends up upsetting everybody, and then no one's happy. Well, yeah. Or the one person, a group of people you try not to upset, you end up upsetting them. Or, if, or maybe not upsetting, but you do end up offending them. How they choose to take it is whatever, but I've been in those positions many times. We, I think we all have. Yeah. Or so, a lot of us have. I'm so Uncut Gems, yes. Safety Brothers. Yeah. In the year 2012, yes. a, a diamond dealer finds out about these very rare uncut gems yes. from Ethiopia. Yeah. The movie starts brilliantly with this sort of road, this scope of diamonds that mm. turns into a rectal examination. Yeah. Somehow they did it really well, I think. And then he's a very unsavory diamond salesman who owes a lot of money and through a confluence of of tragedy just keeps going deeper and deeper and you're you don't know where it's gonna go. He has a wife, he has a mistress, he has problems. Yeah. Also real quick, are we doing spoilers? Probably. Like there's only one main spoiler. There's I mean I guess there's two. Because there's like the connection between Bogosian and Sam. I'm just trying to are we doing spoilers? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Cool. So his his bookie, mm-hmm. his loan shark, is his brother-in-law. Yeah. Which is not immediately revealed. No. And... It's done in a really cool way. Yeah, it's done in a very cool way. And they make Bogosian look very young. And... Um, yeah, I guess they do for what he... Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And it has really... It has very scintillating music that works... It's it's all it's very synthy and and dreamy and it goes very well with the frenzy of the film. Yeah. Well, I was about to say finally, but I think in the last two movies they finally found their stride in terms of like the music mixing with the film cuz heaven knows what the music just did not the music, it, it felt like one of those mashup things with yeah. music with a movie that just didn't go. But I think Good Time and, and Uncut Gems specifically, I think they finally got it. The music, the music was good in Heaven Knows What. And, yeah. And that was the only thing good Agreed. about Heaven Knows What. Um, I, full disclosure, I sort of know, I know one of the Safdie brothers, I... This is the first movie of theirs, I think, since Lenny Cook that I really liked. Mm. Um, have you seen Lenny Cook? No, I haven't, actually. It's a documentary about, like, the guy that could have been. Like, he was coming up around the time as LeBron James. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, since you don't know Lenny Cook, he, didn't, he wasn't as big as LeBron James. Mm-hmm. The Safdie brothers love basketball. Clearly. Clearly, you can obviously see with this subplot about Kevin Garnett. Yeah, playing himself. Playing doing a himself. Good job. Yeah, doing a good job. The best job of a basketball player playing themselves since LeBron James in Trainwreck. Yeah. And since uh, Michael Jordan <coughs> in Space Jam. I would even argue that that this... Well, that that's, it's Michael Jordan uncut, in Space Jam would be number three. That's what I just said. You, yeah, I think that's what you were about to say. I did. I literally just said that. Yeah. I would say this is the sad version of Space Jam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or or um Sad Lieutenant. Yeah. Um the sad version of Don't Mess with the Zohan. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Cuz like Don't Mess with the Zohan is about like 
you know this the, that row these rows of in in New York City where certain goods are gotten yeah where in in uncut gems there's just this undercurrent of the diamond district and these amazing Furby diamond pieces right yeah that I sort of want I mean I don't really need a million dollar piece no and then like what made them decide the weekend well I think it no I think it had to do with the time right 2012 was like peak weekend I mean he's yeah he was popping off but that was when he was like starting and I remember too (coughs) excuse me at that time, it was like, are you pop? Are you indie hipster? Are you th-? like? I remember it was like, not, 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 not that artists need to be put into a category. But I remember trying to like pin down what Marcus audience pinned down? Marcus pinned down what audience liked uh, the the weekend, and oh. it was true. It was like after that, it was like a couple years after Drake had kind of exploded and he opened the doors for like these you know big Canadian artists and whatnot. So. Yeah, and, like, when it first came out, I was like, who is this dude with, like, weird hair who's, like, sampling Susie and the Banshees? How do you say that? Susu? No, Susie. Susie? Yeah, but, yeah. you know, for those not who are not, yeah, it's spelled S-I-O-U-X. Something. S-I-E. I remember, like, I really found out about them because Tricky did a weird cover of them. Oh, shit, the he did? 90s. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh. He was like, he's like, I like... Susie and the Banshees. What up, Bjork? I remember the song. Um, oh, your city lies in dust. I was, I was. That was weird. I was about to sing it, and then I just said it. The, Speaking of yeah, dust, have you yeah. ever smoked PCP? No, I have not. Hi, Doug. Um, but yeah, uncut gems. I right out of the well, gate. One what, second. What, what? For a while, I thought Tricky was much like Sonic. The the food the food restaurant, one Explain. of those things that you hear a lot about, but but you don't really actually see in the world. Like I, I never met an actual Tricky fan, and I never saw an actual Sonic until much later in life. Wow, that's interesting. I caught on him early. I remember. I don't know. Actually, I don't think I brought this up before, but not to diss Tricky or Sonic. No, no. I remember because <clears throat> for me. I mean, I grew up, I, get, I don't know if that's to do, I grew up in a predominantly white kind of hippish college area, but when Hell's Around the Corner came out, same sample as the, the Portishead song, it was huge. And then by his second album, Matt Max and Quay, um, he that's, was on... That's how you say it? Yeah. I always thought it was Maxonique. No, no, Max and Quay, because it, it's a mixture of a few things, but he was on tour with J-Ru. I saw Tricky Live with J-Ru, and it was one of those things where... Jeru went first because technically they were, you know, in terms of sales, Tricky had more. And then by the time Tricky got on stage, though, half the place had cleared out. It was just a very, it was, it was a weird scene. But that's, yeah, but that's interesting because Tr- Tricky, from my narrow, my small bubble, I thought he was big. You know, like the, the, I, those first was, three albums. He was, but big, I mean, for every like, at, but like, I never, everyone. like, I never went to someone's house and saw a Tricky CD. I just heard people liked him. Right, and then. And also, like, I always saw commercials for Sonic, but I never seen one yeah. until late into my 20s. You know, it's same. And of all the places, I went to school in the set, like Virginia, where it was all, you know, rallies, checkers, all those places. I didn't see a Sonic till I got to New York City. Same in, in my early 20s. Yeah. 
And there's still that Sonic by Union Square. There's no Sonic in Union Square. It's like off Union Square. There is no Sonic in in New York City. Oh, I'm thinking of Red Robin. I'm thinking of Red Robin. Union, Squ- uh, Union Square, Manhattan? Yeah, but no, no, you're right. It's, it's not Sonic. It, it, it's not. It's Red no, Robin. No, Dairy Queen? No, no, it, it's, it's Red, Red Robin. Red Robin. Yes. Um, All probably gross. I mean, yeah. I've never eaten at any of those. I've eaten plenty of fast food, don't get me wrong, but... I only eat slow food. But yeah, it's like watching this person self-destruct. This, this person who's like a shitty person. Who just keeps on fucking up everything. Yeah, but to the point where I remember like... <clears throat> 30 minutes in... So a couple of things. Yeah, you're, it's like, what else could go... It's a combination Every, of two everything things. Everything is going wrong. But, it's, and, and, and it's on him. So it's a combination of like, what else can go wrong? What the fuck else are you going to do? Like, it's one of those, like, what are you going to screw up? What else is going to go wrong at well, the same time? Have you seen, it's you've like, seen like The Gambler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like... That movie, I want to just make people watch that movie before they buy scratch-off lottery tickets. Like, this this doesn't end well. This is not... Gambling Gambling gets dark yeah. very quick. Um, like, you, like, sometimes it's sort of... Well, it's hard to make gambling beautiful. Like, I was, I was thinking... You, I, I rewatched Rounders. Mm-hmm. You remember that movie? Of course I do. With uh, Matt Damon. And Edward Norton. And Edward Norton. Yeah. And um, John Turturro. John Malkovich. Oh, John Turturro is in it. Yes. My bad, my bad. And John Malkovich. And apparently all based on well-known New York City rounders. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can go from like having a good time to getting your legs broken yeah. very quickly. Yeah. That's a fun movie, by the way. Yeah, rounders. it is. Sure. It made me think... Of, like I remember the first time I saw a movie, I didn't know about Texas Hold'em. I always thought that... I didn't know, like, why would you only have two cards in your hand? That doesn't sound like fun. It can be. I don't make a habit of gambling because cause I, it's just, it's, it's, too, it's too much. It's sensory overload. You're either high on winning or high on losing. <clears throat> yeah. And, are you okay? Yeah. Okay. Anyways. So you're watching this guy just make bad decision after bad decision and unstoppable. Uh, he's got this. He's got this girlfriend who's crazy about him, but also is sort of messing around with the weekend. And, and I and I think that moment too. That it gets complicated because she does genuinely love and care about him, but she also yeah. seems she's much younger. And I feel like it wasn't just weekend. I feel like there's, she's probably fooled around and messed around with other people too. Just because how so easily she was taken by him, I feel like there's there have been other things. But it's his girlfriend, but it's also his side chick because Adam Sandler's married. He's at the end of a marriage. Yeah. It's clearly laid out like, hey, we're staying together for the children. Like, they even talked. There was, like, this time frame where, like, when are we going to tell the kids, blah, 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 blah. So he is married, and this girlfriend is his mistress, you know. Yeah. and Which they- is another thing, you know, going wrong in his life, too. Everything's going wrong. He yeah. can't make things work. And he, he, Kevin Garnett wants these stones that Adam Sandler finds out about from watching a documentary on Ethiopia. Yeah. Kevin Garnett borrows the stones and gives him his, his, his championship ring yeah. as collateral. Yeah. Adam Sandler's character uses that ring 
to make more bets. Yeah. To to and then try and ho- hoping that he'll get the 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 stones back from Kevin Garnett, which he tries to auction off, which goes horribly awry. Yeah. God, that that scene. Eventually, sells sells the diamonds back to Kevin Garnett in a beautiful scene. Where Kevin Carnett basically is like, you're a scumbag. You're making all this money, but how much did you pay for this? And what mm-hmm. did you get off of this? Mm-hmm. And Adam Sandler's character doesn't care. It's one of obviously, you you're not you can't watch this movie and not think of his performance in Punch Drunk Love because those are the films where he where he's made dramatic turns. Sure, it turns out with I mean I don't think he's I don't think he's a bad actor and I like his no. movies. It just, it just shows you with the right direction what you can do. Agreed. And I think people saying that the Safdie brothers are now the next Martin Scorsese need to slow down. Okay, relax. It's like I did, I, I, I did not hear that. But, I have. Uh, yeah, right. people people talk about like it's like relax. This is what's happening. These guys, these indie darlings who have made some movies, um, Daddy Long Legs, Good Time, mm-hmm. Heaven Knows What. Mm-hmm. They're, in my opinion, they're finally getting comfortable in what they're doing. Yeah, they're the good times was all right, but it's still there were pacing. The pacing in this was really well executed. Yeah, the cinematography they used a different a different director of photography this time, mm-hmm. and it really worked to their benefit, and and it was. Similar to, dare I say it, Joker, there was a hearkening back to a previous cinema of New York, but also its own style. That's interesting, because I saw, going back to TIFF, I saw, those were the only two movies I saw in that in the same day. I saw Uncut Gems, and then I went to go see Joker. It's I just think, interesting. I just think that. they're very similar movies in... in, a, in a few, a few ways. In tone, in style, in... Things constantly going wrong yeah. for these people... Yeah, and and mental illness just shown in different lights. Joke when you say I, Joker, I get, but what do you mean with uncut gems? Well, you, I could argue that his addiction is a form of of his of his, of his illness. Let's yeah, not true. say mental illness, but it could be gambling addiction. Gambling addiction is an illness. It was recently it put. Is. It was recently put in the DSM. Yeah. So yeah, it is a mental illness. It's funny because even having a little. T- I've been to. I'm on my way to my third bachelor party in Vegas. This time it's mine. And every time I go out to Vegas for a bachelor party for a various friend, I have a, I have this one childhood friend who lives out there who's good at gambling sometimes, which I think is the case for a- anyone. I always give him money to flip for me. And I'm not even the one going down to the tables. He'll come up and he will have doubled or tripled my money and he'll toss me these chips. And immediately, for a split second, I'm like, go back. Like, I have these yeah. chips. I have, like, a few hundred... It's a few hundred dollars worth yeah. of chips. It's like, so... Okay, so say $500 now worth of chips. So it would be, like, yeah. five chips. And I immediately want to get, like, okay. Okay, and you double. can't stop it. I want, th- want, want 2000 Go, come on. Yeah, and then I'm like, all right, relax. Like, I gave him... Like, because I'm, I'm super low stakes. So it's like, I gave him a $100 bill, and he came back with $500. So or you know what? Or I'm you, good. Or you, like, when it gets really deep, like, I... I'm not, you know what, I'm not going to put a friend, I'm not going to talk about my, my friend, because I, I have a friend that dealt, deals with stuff like that. No but problem. You even listen to um, Artie Lang, who's who's been getting his stuff oh, together. Yeah. 
and he's he's been doing the rounds on the podcast, and he yeah, has I listen to him on Rogan. He was talking about that he would he would get he would one he would bet sometimes he would be so messed up on drugs that he would bet two bets on a game he'd bet he would bet the if the Giants were facing the Jets yeah 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 he would bet bet on the Giants right. get messed up and then bet on the Jets yeah and he, also he would talk about that you that you can really bet you can bet on the coin toss you can bet on all this so it becomes this sort of intoxicating thing yeah. and I'm not again I'm not going to talk about my friend but my uncle my great uncle who's passed away um one day when I turned 12 um let's call them Uncle Jay and Aunt Q mm-hmm. they just they just left New York and and I called no they didn't die no, I know. I got that. No, okay. I took no, you, you literally. Gave, you gave me the face that that made. No, me I gave it. no. Even just having to leave a place is is eyebrow raising to me. And then I, you know, when we invited them to my bar mitzvah, they they were like, you know, Scott, you're old enough to understand, and you know, uh, the neighborhood I was in had had some mob underpinnings. Wow. And often gambling is now it's connected mostly to. The internet, yeah, or like legal-ish means. Yeah, two thousand and twelve. There are still bookies, and I'm sure there's still bookies in the underworld. I don't, yeah. I don't deal in the world of bookies, thank yeah. God, because I don't, I don't, because that the stuff that they talk about in movies is real. Yeah. So they were like, so I, they sat me down and said, Scott, you know, you're old enough to understand. Um, your your great uncle owed a lot of money to a lot of people and got his kneecaps bashed in Oof. and basically under they're basically advised not to come back to New York yeah so that sort of stuff happens so the sort of stakes that happen in Uncut Gems are really real yeah and and it's this sort of um, uncontrollable catastrophe needs that that are really what's happening in this movie because it's getting it's just revving up, revving up. But from the get go, <clears throat> I mean, there's that intro and then he's having his you know his colonoscopy. But from that moment on, once he's walking down, which is funny because I was right on Forty Seventh Street last week getting my wedding band. When he's walking down Forty Seventh Street at the very beginning of the movie. Pointing at people, talking to people, people know him, do that all, people trying to sell him, so no, 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 like, just from the get-go, like, there's a couple of moments where the Safety Brothers allow us to come up for breath, but, but then as soon, but, but then as soon as we, it's like, oh, shit, you know, like, as soon you as we, know. you know, yeah. You never know, and, there, and then there's this looming threat of Bogosian's, like, henchmen yeah. keep on showing up and fucking, fucking him up, fucking yeah. up Adam Sandler's character. Yeah. And they're getting sick of all this shit. Yeah. And you just see that if you don't have empathy for the addict, and it's hard. Not not all addictions and mental illnesses are, quote-unquote, charming. Some of them yeah. are debilitating and disgusting. And you wonder, like, why is my uncle showing up with a black eye? Why is this person walking around naked? Why can't we even have Passover without... Yeah without awkward looks and 
and you know pawn shops and and gritty places that no one wants to go. I'll tell you a story. I may have talked about it on the podcast, but who knows? We have so many episodes these days yeah. that you never know. Me and my friends, when we were like 18 or 19, used to get a little bit of money together and go to OTBs. You ever you remember mm-hmm. OTBs, off-track betting? So, There's still one open. And if you get off the 179th Street stop in uh, St. Albans, Queens, there's one right outside the stop. So basically, it's... um. I need a second. Yeah. Because I just, I'm recovering from laryngitis. Sure, sure. Um, so you, instead of going to the, instead of going to the race car, instead of watching the horses, which is a lot of fun, if yeah. you've ever, you know, it's a nice day, you can go to, you can go to the, the, the race to watch horse races. You can, I, me and my friends would like put on a suit. Yeah. And make a day out of it. You bet like a little bit of money. But you can, instead of watching the racetracks at the races, you you could go to these video spots and bet on the horses, bet on the races. And me and my friends would go there and smoke cigarettes and... And like the third or fourth time we went there, some people who were regulars there saw us come and they're like, why are you doing this? Don't do this. You don't want this life. Wow. This isn't the life you want. Do you can this is not this is not it. Damn. And I remember growing up seeing these people, these people who just, you know, went to the OTB every day and then when they were done with the OTB they'd go to these bars that that, you know, that Bukowski would write about and all these wannabe Bukowskis that go to bars to drink and not feel and think that they're gonna write the great American novel knowing full well that that the novel might not even be the way that people want to understand media anymore like, does a great Ameri- does the does the great american novel exist anymore yeah yeah when was the so. last time you read a great american novel when was oh, the novel was... oh yeah it's been a while since i've read a novel yeah i mean <coughs> I, I read novels but i don't know i think mostly people read novels that are in the world of novels. Right. I don't know that the the great American novel has this sort of reach anymore. Yeah, sure. So, what I find... And then, to get back... To, and th- So, to me, movies are a great way to feel that sort of feeling I used to get from reading just because it's so difficult to read these days. One, because who has time? And two, I think these devices in our hands make it so hard to do one thing at a time. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. That's why it's really great to go to the movies in the theater, because I put my phone away, I don't check it. Yeah. I've been meaning to see the new Terrence Malick movie, The Team Mama. Yeah, it's great. But, you know, it's three hours, and I just have to find time to do it. Sure. Um... And then in the, there's let's there's spoilers. Yeah, what's really really good about this movie to me is also the finale. The grand, yeah. the grand closing. Yeah, where he he finally sells the diamonds to Kevin Garnett, and instead of doing what 
you should do just how like you had that second where you ask your friend to go back to the back with your chips and you realize that it's best not to yeah he doesn't he can't so he locks he locks his debtors into the diamond store yeah and has his girlfriend go to Atlantic and, City. And, and so for... No, Foxwoods. Foxwoods. For you that don't know, like, if you, when you go... And it's not just the Diamond District. When you go into, like, a serious diamond place, you have to go through these double doors. Each of them lock. And the other one can't open until the first door closes. Yeah. It's this whole, like, system before you can actually leave the store. So it's, it's like, it is very hard to rob a <clears throat> diamond store. Which leads me to something I want to bring up in a second when we get to... When we really get, get to the finale. Oh, and I also want to say... Like, I don't remember if this is dress, but he's obviously like an analog to Jacob the jeweler, right? I'm sure there's like DNA sprinkled in there because but... uh, he's he's the jeweler to the rap stars, right? Yeah, yeah which yeah, like yeah. Jacob yeah. the jeweler was. He wasn't the only one, though. No, of course not. Yeah. I mean, I guess he was the most. He's he was the one that was like in videos and stuff. Yeah, but you know. The yeah the the really popular well known diamond district people, they're not even on the first floor you know yeah 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 sure so, do you remember seeing that video a couple of years ago where some dude nonchalantly just walked into, a an armored car with and just grabbed a box of diamonds and, left. no so there's the security footage of these this this dude <laughs> randomly saw the saw that the armored car was open and just was like all right. And shot his shot. Just grabbed a box. Well, I, I think he mustn't... You know, apparently there's millions of dollars of diamond dust that falls in the Diamond District every year. And there's people that walk around looking for... Looking wow. for stuff. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so he gets he gets his girlfriend to go to Foxwoods in a beautiful... A beautiful scene. I know I know you might... some. I know you might not have thought me saying a beautiful Safety Brothers scene, but... I don't hate the Safety brothers. It's just I know. Um I don't really hate anybody, but heaven knows what was really difficult for me. Sure. I'll say that. And that took me a little while. Mhm. So like there's this like over the top dude that's helping like helping Priscilla Fox get into the casino and mm-hmm. leave and and with the money that he's made from the diamonds, he bets that money on a Celtics game. Yeah. For the big, you know, for the big one. Yeah. It's always the last one. Yeah, yeah. And um, and then what happens? So what happens is, <clears throat> so yeah, after he sells Kevin Garnett the money... He in takes a, in a scene. Yeah, not a, no scene has been as surprising since the elevator scene in The Departed. Yeah. Okay. So let me. Okay. So I'll address what Scott just said. So after he makes this bet and he has the bookies that are already to say they have their foot on his neck is an understatement. He has these bookies locked in this doorway. He makes all this money because the 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 game that he bets on. Uh, the Celtics win, and then he gets close to like a million dollars now because uh, he bet this, you know, he bet $160,000 and the Celtics won. So this triumphant music starts playing, and it's like, oh, he won. And the tone, the language of the movie has you feeling like Adam Sandler's 
character won. And there's that line he tells the uh, Kevin Garnett before he places the bed. He's like, this is how I win. Immediately, as he opens the door in a great departed moment, like Scott says, the one the one henchman who, who definitely doesn't like Adam Sandler's character shoots him in the head. And then a couple things. So what's disorienting about this is the triumphant type music is still playing. So you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, it's like 80s synthesizer. Bliss. Yeah, like, and you know the movie's almost over. And it's like, they're still playing the triumphant music, but this is a sad ending. He got shot in the head. And then they proceed to rob the store. But a couple things. So I genuinely didn't think Adam Sandler was going to get killed. I didn't think he was going to get shot in the head. And we'll get to who else gets killed, too. I did. But then... Um, because they're following the tradition of the New York filmmaker. Yeah, but see, my, but my thing is, though, minutes later, it was like, oh, what else was going to happen? Like, you know, even if he won, it's like, how many times did he dodge these guys? Like, bookie, the, like real bookies are serious. Yeah. You can't just out-charm people forever. Like, even if he won, it's like... He was going to it's lose gonna, yeah. the, all that money. That, okay... Well, that's the other thing that's I was going to get into. Also, he, he was going to bet it again, yeah. and I want and then I want you to notice too. These were like the guys who were after him were just like the big guys throughout the movie. There's one another obvious. There's like these low level weirdo twin brother, bookie guys who were after him for money, and I'm sure there's other examples. So like that's the thing that like he had other debts smaller. But still, a bunch of other debts and probably shit that we didn't even know about. So yeah. it's just like, it didn't even matter at this point. Like, his life, he was always going to be chasing and being chased, you know, at the same time. And then, um, in addition to, what, what, what's, what's crazy is, in addition to Adam Sandler getting killed, his brother-in-law, Eric Bogosian, the, the leader of these two henchmen, they, they're just like, you know what, I've had enough of your shit, too, because it's probably like... We should have fucked this guy up, Adam Sandler. I mean, we should have messed him up a long time yeah, ago. Cause Eric but you Bogosian keep let, let him there, get by. And he's, yeah. he's like, what the fuck? You just killed my brother-in-law. Yeah, and then they eventually kill him. And then they proceed to rob the store. And, I, and you know, it leaves me wondering, because eventually they, there's cameras uh, everywhere. Oh, what probably, is the family going to think when it's like, wait, what was my, what was my husband doing with, uh, you know, my brother? Why were they in this? Why were they both shot in the head? Like, what is they this? they kind of knew? No, I don't. You don't think for no think none of them really understood. Nope. No, I don't. I think that was the point. That was their little th- because I think it, it would have been set up that way <clears throat> when the first time we meet Eric Bogosian is in the parking lot of his kids' recital and they rough him up and then we see him again at this family gathering and everything's cool. It's like, hey, how you doing? It's like, and there's even that talk. It's like, uh, you going on a vacation? As if to say, like, you owe me money. You better, you're going on a vacation when you owe me money? Like, it's that kind of... Yeah, yeah. no, it's totally... I, I don't think anyone else in the family knew. No. Well... Because even because there's another scene, too, when Judd Hirsch, his father-in-law, and Adam Sandler are, like, in the room by themselves, and they're mm-hmm. kind of talking crap about Eric Bogosian, because he, he's not Jewish, too. They, they, they hit and, hint and mumble that, too. They're talking about how much he doesn't like him and how he's like, oh, what a jerk. And it's just kind of like... If you're alone, if he's that kind of person and you're alone, just the two of you, you'd be talking. If you knew what he was about, like you'd right. be talking about. It. Like, so no, I, I definitely don't. They weren't so like, ahead. I didn't care for the film Suburbia. Yeah. <laughs> I like that movie a lot. I, so, 
that that little aside is that Eric Bogosian is also a screenwriter and director and playwright, playwright, theater actor, and he wrote the play and film Suburbia, the '90s one directed by Linklater. Yeah, not to not be confused with the '80s one with Flea, which I which is on streaming services right now, and yeah. I, I I highly recommend it. I, I think both, a lot in college. I think both are good, but I think the '80s one is is superior. Hmm. Okay. Also, I was recently thinking about Let's Get Lost Again recently, which is a movie sure. I love that Flea is in for a short moment of time. Yeah. Flea just shows up places. He's like, hey, guys. Yeah, apparently, I wouldn't know, but he's in Queen and Slim. He has kind of an important role in that movie, too. I mean, I'm not going to see that movie. Neither am I. I'm not, seeing, I I'm not seeing movies that people tell me I'm going to hate anymore. Yeah. One thing I also want to yeah. say mm-hmm. is um, I'm sure you've heard the story of, you know, Norm Macdonald having a gigantic gambling problem. I was going to get into that because there's years ago there was a story where he that where, Artie Lang told where he, yeah. he won fifty thousand dollars and, threw, and he it just in the ocean. threw it in the ocean. He's like, I'm just going to lose it, you know. So yeah, oh yeah. Because I think that so that's the thing is that Adam Sandler's character was going to continue to go down this line. He, of course, and I think. Um, I think Eric Bogosian's henchmen were just tired of it and made and just Absolutely. just made a poor decision. I mean, I'd be surprised if those characters made it downstairs. Yeah, that okay, that's the other thing I want to get into also. It's like so you commit a double homicide and then you rob the shit out of a jewelry store and it's like let's even say let's even say they got out of the building. What is their plan? Like, what... Yeah, I mean, And I'm not calling this out as, like, a plot hole in the movie. I think this was done out of frustration. Like, you know, I'm just saying I'm going to kill these no, motherfuckers. It's, it's, cr- it, it's a crime but, of passion. It's, yeah. it's a... Re- remember, the, the, the henchman says after he shoots Adam Sandler, says, you're confusing me. Don't confuse me. I'm hot. I don't know what to do right now. Sure. Sure. And, um... Cooler heads don't prevail. And, no, they don't. You know, um, his Adam Sandler's girlfriend is in for not a treat. Yeah. Oh, nor is his wife or his kids or, you know, or, or no. anyone. Like, because that's another thing, too. There's like a little quick, uh, a super quick closing montage of all the other characters, like from Lakeith Stanfield to Jessica Fox to Adam Sandler's wife and kids. And like, things are just kind of... Maybe not necessarily for Adam Sandler's wife, but they're still just things are kind of like fine. Like, hey, everything's cool, and you know, in a few hours, think things are not going to be cool, and that's kind of how the movie ends off. And also, it's interesting too. I had a feeling because the movie, the movie starts off like I said with you know, like we said, he's getting a colonoscopy, and I just thought, oh, that's going to have something to do with this. And then when that movie comes back, when that part of the movie comes back into play it's like hey everything checked out good and it's like uh, oh okay i thought we were going to go into like serious man territory we're like yeah let's no, say he I was gets about away to say serious man let's say he gets because there's also the judaism and yeah everything, but like, let's say he gets away with everything and the bookies are happy bullshit but the book everything fine then i thought hey who's gonna oh by the way you have colon cancer or something like right, that you know what i'm saying because serious man which is like 
you know, hot off the heels. It wasn't right after No Country for Old Men. I think Burn After Reading was after. You're right. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Burn After Reading, not my favorite movie. No, no, nor mine. And Serious Man just really didn't get enough love. It's a very understated Job film where it's just like, oh, you can't stop destroying this man and by the end of the movie you realize like he's also gonna die yeah um gosh yeah wow I'm impressed that we we were able to talk about one movie for damn near 40 minutes sure I mean I think that I think it says something too that the movie is I think it's there's some people who think most people like this movie or really like it there's some people who are still like good time is their best movie I think this is the best thing that they've done I I think it's their best the best thing that they've done for for landslide. Also, Necro isn't this isn't in this one. That's probably why it's good. Which Although is, I guess well, because Good Time is I like Good Time also. Necro's in that, but yeah. What What's also funny though is I think one of the connections is the co writer of all these movies, Bronstein. Mm-hmm. His name is the same name as Necro's government. Huh. And I think I, didn't, I think that was the connection. So you saying you think they might be related? No, it, I think I think it's oh. just funny. Oh, oh, a oh. funny coinkadink. Oh, yeah. How come um, Ill Bill can't be in movies? I want to see him in something. I, I'm Gravesend Two, Electric Boogaloo. He's from Canarsie. No, but I'm saying like you know, Gravesend yeah. One had Lords of Brooklyn. Gravesend yeah. Two has nonfiction. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, you know what I mean. But it'd be them now, older. Well, All yeah. Right, let me be, stop. I mean. Would it be Sabak Red then? We you know Sabak Red. He's actually he's a really good dude. Like he helps children. Like that just helps. Like he works in now. Well, he doesn't even live in New York now. He works for the uh, it's somewhere in Northern California school system. He's like a big deal there. Still does music from time to time, but um, I love the Bay Area, man. I do too. I well. I love the older Bay Area. I love like from the early two thousands back. Yeah, it's changed. My favorite thing, naturally being a, a turntablist scratcher battle DJ, is just how scratching and turntablism is just woven into the fabric of Northern California. Um, when I was flying back from a DJ battle that I was, I was in the U- ITF US Finals in two thousand two, and I was on a payphone talking to my friend, giving him the results, and I was saying. Hey, I got robbed, such and such, blah, blah, blah. And this, like, older, not even middle-aged, this, like, older black woman security guard came up to me after I hung up the phone, and she was like, oh, that's right, the ITF battle was tonight. And I was like, yeah. what? She's like, were you in it? I was like, well, yeah, but how do you know about it? It's like, no, I just, I, she's like, I just follow it. It's like, uh, DJ battles are big here. It's like, clearly, I mean, yeah. I knew, but I didn't know it was like that. So I, I, I love that story. Yeah, yeah it, it's interesting that, like, in New York, really, the only, like, most of the elements aren't as popular or really no. popular at all. Where you go to the West Coast, there's still break dancers, there's still graph writers, there's still, like, DJs. They're doing, turntablism is very different now with the advent of of Serato and stuff. Yeah. It's a very yeah. different thing, but, yes, it's, it but it's still alive on the West Coast. Yeah. Do you think DJ, DJ Shadow still puts out his label puts out turntablists who are doing really mm-hmm. cool stuff. <clears throat> One thing, yeah. So, so the writer of all of these movies 
He was also the star of Daddy Long Legs. Yeah, the star of Daddy Long Legs. Yeah. Which, uh, Daddy Long Legs was cool. Yeah. And I think he's he started as like a projectionist. He still is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, his name is Ronald Bronstein. Yeah. And Necro's name is Ronald Bronstein. You serious? Yeah. Well, I mean, why would you lie? But yeah, wow. I mean, okay. why, why would I lie? Because lying is funny. Sometimes. Lying, Sometimes. Lying is, is fun. It can be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're, uh, you're about to, I think you were about to ask me a question. Oh, with the whole New York versus other parts of the world in terms of hip-hop, do you think, <clears throat> I'm not even saying this as a criticism, because other New Yorkers within the world of hip-hop have told me this themselves, but do you think that being a, just like, it being woven in the fabric when you're around it so much, not necessarily you take it for granted, it's just no, like... you take it for granted. Okay, it's just one of the things like, yeah, this this is always here, like this is here, whereas like... Not that San Francisco doesn't have an early, but there's no place in the world that has a earlier hip hop history than New York City. No, so right. it so it goes up. So do you uh, think that other other places in the world when they finally? Because I was like that. They they have they have a chip on their shoulder and they just continue it. But true. But or or they evolve it. So like in the South, people don't break dance, but DJ culture is still still a thing, and dance culture is still a thing. Yeah. And we go through bits and pieces of dance culture, like the um, the sort of dance style that people do in Showtime or whatever. Yeah, you know, there's, it's just not break dancing per se. Yeah. Though I real, I still have a four step. It turns out. Nice. Yeah, I've been well, practic- this, uh, I've been practicing some break moves to cut you up. Well, I was just gonna say some of the Showtime stuff is absolutely rooted in like popping and locking. It is, so, yeah, but yeah. but they might not know that. That's because true. they might be in, they might be influenced by like crumping and crumping is influenced by popping and locking and you know yeah it it you have to go somewhere else to come back there mm-hmm. um yeah i like i do i do find that the safety is starting to ease into their voice of of not not of being more straightforward, more, I think the more straightforward arc of this one was 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 good, and I think, you know, their their sort of like mumblecore beginnings are starting to mm-hmm. change, and it's interesting that all these mumblecore directors or actors are really, you know. Showing up and and doing their own thing and becoming voices. Yeah. Like you have um, oh, medicine for melancholy. Barry Jenkins. Barry Jenkins. Yeah. Uh, Greta Gerwig is like taking over Hollywood. Yeah. Um, you have those brothers who the Duplass brothers. The Duplass are, brothers. Dude, who are, some of the stuff they're involved in is big. Yeah, they're smashing, and yeah. most and like, I don't know what Bujalski is doing. But oh, what's it called? Um, uh. Oh man, what's the with Regina Hall? Uh, give it up for the girls, like really hear, cheer for the girls. Something, uh, Jamie, look it up. Something for the girls, but it's like yeah, that was and and that and surprisingly, that was one of those movies that ended up on a few like really cool, like reputable, respectable, like top ten of of two thousand eight eighteen. Um, oh, what is the name of that movie? But um, yeah, you know it's interesting. It was very much. It was a fit, and I remember moving to New York City. Support the girls. Support the girls. It was right. Yo, when, he's uh, directing. 
Lady and the Tramp, though? No, is he? No way. Sure no he's f- not a... T- oh, boy. No way. That's weird. Well, it's no, no different no, he, than... He, he he wrote... He's writing... He wrote... Sure. Lady and the well, Tramp. Well, I was just going to say, it's like... Uh, this guy, Alex Ross Perry, who wrote that, you yeah. know, the Winnie the oh, Paddington 2 movie. Or, or Winnie or, the Pooh. It was Winnie the Pooh. It was Winnie the Pooh. Winnie that, the Pooh. That, that, that Winnie the Pooh was fun. I wish mm-hmm. it was better, but it was fun. Yeah. I love I love the Pooh stories. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Or, I just totally lost my train of thought. Or how our friend from The Rider is doing The Eternals. Yeah. Yeah. She's got one... Now, before the Eternal, she's got this one movie I'm really looking forward to that's coming out. I'm I don't looking even know forward if it has to the Eternals. Yet. Yeah, I know, but it's just, it's like for me with the writer, it's weird to jump from you know. She's got this movie coming out that in tone is more similar to the writer with um, Frances McDormand and um, um, straight uh, David Strathairn, which uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that also. There's something about uh, oh Chloe Zhao. Yeah, there's something about her that reminds me of like a Kelly Reichardt. Well, and know? also Kelly Reichardt, what? who who is about to who I was about to talk about, she's like someone who got lumped in sort of like mumblecore. But I just think she did. She's just through no I, fault of her own, but no. she did. Also, you know, I think. She made. She just made slow films, and people didn't know what to call that yeah. at the time. True. Or and and it was like a lot in nature, and her movies yeah. were set in Portland, so it's like a oh. And I Mumblecore. just I don't I forget the other darlings of Mumblecore, but Sophie Tikal is about yeah. to do big stuff. You don't think of her as post. Maybe yeah, I guess. Is, I guess. Is always fine, shine fine. mumblecore. No, 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 no. I'm thinking of the stuff she did before. No, absolutely. Mumble shine is absolute. Mumble shine. Always shine is absolutely not mumblecore. No, she's post. Fine, you're right. I just think of her as post. Yeah. Um, Kentucker oddly. Uh, and I yeah, and and I sort of feel like the Greenberg by Noah Baumbach. Mm-hmm sort of was like post he he was interesting cuz he was he's proto mumblecore mm. and sort of did the first post mumblecore movie mm. in greenberg mm-hmm. with with the queen of mumblecore yeah greta gerwig yeah who who i francis haas very post mumblecore as well yeah and there's a movie Hannah Takes the Stairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Saw that in the theater. Did you? Yeah, I did. I've never seen a movie in the theater. You should start doing it. Oh, 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 oh,
Thank you. 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 Thank you.